Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. I understand this is a, this is a punchline to you. This is a joke. This is funny. I understand that you think I'm ignorant, but I just want you to know that God loves you, and I love you too. It's not fun to have someone make fun of you or mock you for something. But have you ever had someone make fun of your belief in Jesus? There have always been mockers who have rejected, made fun of God's Word, God's Son, God's people. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Picking up where we left off last week, this week we're back in 2 Peter chapter 3 as Pastor Clay wraps up our look at the basic of hope. To live in the reality that Jesus Christ could return today, how should that impact my life? Peter closes out his second letter to the church with something to say about mockers. There will be an increased number of mockers, an increased percentage of the population of those who ridicule and make fun of this whole Jesus, this whole following, believing in God, the whole thing. Today we're going to see the mistakes they make with their mocking and what fundamentals should be built into our lives as believers, whether people make fun of us or not. We're glad you've joined us for today's message. Now here's Pastor Clay. We are uh, finishing up what we started last week. I intended to get all the way through chapter 3, but sometimes that doesn't happen with me. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, the entire chapter, uh, we're looking at uh, a couple of key elements that Peter brings out. Remember, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Peter indicates this is that he seems to, God has revealed to him that his time here on earth is not long. He's going to be leaving this place pretty shortly, and as I, I think I said this last week, if you knew when the time, when your end was, like if you knew next week was going to, you're going to take your final breath, or two months from now, or whenever it was, and, and you wanted to communicate to somebody, uh, you wanted to write a letter, or, or Facebook them, or tweet them something, or what, you'd want to say something that would have some sort of impact on their lives, that, that something they would remember, and something that, that would encourage them, and help them in their life, right? I mean, I think we all would want to do that, and I think that's exactly where Peter is. Of course, he's writing on in, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but, but he cares about the body, the church overall. Uh, he has dedicated his life um, uh, to, since the resurrection, he's dedicated his life to, to building this, this thing that Jesus gave us, this body, this, this church. And so these are the last recorded words uh, from uh, Peter that we have. Second Peter chapter 3, listen to these last words. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you in which I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember or so that you will remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets, referring to the Old Testament, and the commandments of the Lord and Savior, the Gospels, and by your apostles, the other New Testament letters. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Forever since the fathers fell asleep. All continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, when, when, they, when they keep asking, hey, hey, where's Jesus? Why didn't he come back? It escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. And the earth was formed out of water and by water. Escapes their notice. Through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for 
What's that next word? Fire. Kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And the people all said, Amen. Yeah, that all the people would come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be, say it, burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt away with intense heat. You notice how many times he seems to keep repeating that? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. And the people all said, therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. As also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men, And fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Okay, uh, since I didn't finish uh, all chapter 3 last week, let me just bring you up to speed if you weren't here. Um, Last week we, we looked at what we started with, what we called the mistakes of the mockers. Peter says in the last day they'll come these mockers, they'll be mocking. And just want to real briefly run through what those mistakes were that they made. And the first mistake they made was the source of their mocking, which Peter says is their own lust. In other words, uh, people oftentimes may think that they're, that, they're, that they're free thinkers, that they're free to, to, to do this or do that or think they're... But in, in, the, in the reality, what they really are, are enslaved to their own fleshly desires, their own fleshly lusts. And it is those very desires, those very pulls that draw them away from God and, and, and toward the things of the world. And so Peter says the first mistake they're making is they're, they're allowing their own fleshly lust. Do you guys know what I mean by fleshly lust? Y'all ever, okay, y'all scared me. I thought I was the only one that understood this principle of how, how the, the flesh can pull at you and, and pull you away from the things of God and, and cause you to want to go in direction that is not what God. So Peter says that's the first mistake they make. They're, they're allowing their lust to drive them uh, they're allowing the physical to make uh, decisions that really are spiritual and eternal. And they'll have eternal consequences because of that. Second mistake that they made was the basis of their mocking is that Jesus had not returned. It, it says to us clearly that the church from the earliest days was out saying, Hey, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Y'all better get ready. Jesus is coming back. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back. Peter says in the last days, 
you'll hear more and more people saying, hey, all y'all talking about Jesus coming back. Where is he? I don't see him. Where's this Jesus y'all keep talking about? I, got, I was thinking about that. I was working on this message. I got to thinking, uh, baby, about this. Uh, this thing I, we grew up, you know, a while back. And uh, uh, we, uh, we, we, were, we really liked uh, Elton John music when we were growing up. And a lot of his stuff was really cool. And or we thought, you know, I mean. I, anyway, one of our favorite albums, uh, probably our favorite album, was Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. Uh, was his album he came out with. And the title cut on there, I got to think about this song. On the title cut, and, and, and I've probably sung this a million times just not thinking about it. Okay, just being honest. And there's this line in there where it says, and all this talk of Jesus coming back to see us, mm-hmm, couldn't fool us. It's that idea that the culture is embracing. That was in the 70s, folks. So 40 years later, jeez, is that possible? Anyway. First mistake they made was that they, they're allowing their lust to drive them. And the second mistake they made is the basis of their, of, of, of their decision and, and is this, this false idea. Oh, well, sure, we don't see Jesus. Y'all keep saying Jesus is coming back, but we don't, we don't see him. And then the, the third uh, mistake they made the pro- was the problem with their mocking was that they failed to understand. They failed to understand the whole thing, which is... Which is not unusual. The Apostle Paul says that these things, meaning spiritual things, the things that we find in Scripture, Paul says these things are, anybody know? They are foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, to those who are outside a relationship with God. When they hear about this kind of stuff, when they hear about, you know, oh yeah, uh, Jesus went up on, and disappeared in the clouds, and someday he's going to come back in the clouds, and he's going to set foot physically on earth, and yeah, he was dead three days, and he came back to a person Outside a relationship with Jesus Christ, this can sound really like, uh-huh, nurse, nurse, right? Come get this person. Out of, but so they, they just, they, they failed to understand. Here's what they failed to understand. They failed to stand, and, and Peter walked through every bit of this. They failed to uh, acknowledge God's power in the past. Peter says, hey, it was right there in front of you. You can see it. You can see it in his creation and, and how we, he, he spoke the word and, and the heavens and the earth came into existence and you can see God's uh, handiwork. You can see God's design. You can see it all through his creation. You can see it in your blooming hand. Can I say blooming? Is that okay? You can see it right in your blooming hand. Uh, just the very idea that, 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 with, the, that with your hand you can, you, can, you can pick up something delicate as a as a feather, but you can also, it's just amazing stuff. You can see it, and, and they, they, they just won't see it. And they also failed to see it in the, in the destruction of the earth the first time around. He says God created it in water and out of water, and then he took that water when, 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 uh, when the world had become corrupt and wicked, and, and he, he destroyed the world by flood. And I mentioned last week that in virtually every uh, people group throughout the world, historically, there is some, you can find some... Uh, Flood account, some type of uh, worldwide flood account. They, they, just, they just failed to acknowledge God's power to do it in the past. And the second uh, problem that they had was they failed to accept God's promise for the future. God says, listen, I'm telling you, I did it once when, when the world became so corrupt and so anti-God. I, I wiped it clean. He says, and I'm going to do it again. This time it's reserved for fire. It's going to be burned up, every bit of it. And they said, that's not going to happen. That's not, that's not who, that's, that's just never, mm-mm, no. Look, Jesus didn't even come back. We didn't even see this Jesus guy. And now you're talking about the earth. That's not going to happen. And then uh, the, the third problem they had, they failed to appreciate God's patience now. 
They just didn't appreciate really what God was doing. And I, there were two things I pointed out about that. Uh, they didn't appreciate that God's perspective is so much bigger than ours, right? That Peter says, with God, a thousand years is like a day. A day is like a thousand years. It's not, God's, you know, it's not, we're so consumed and driven by our clocks and all that stuff, but, but God is outside of time. He operates in time, right? I've talked about that. But God is outside of all of that. And, and it's so his perspective is so much bigger. The, the very idea that God can see the beginning and he can see the end all simultaneously is a mind-boggling truth. And, and they just didn't understand that, that maybe God's perspective is a little bigger than theirs because they're, they're living in their little world. We're living in our little world and our right now, right? And so, and... Possibly even more importantly, uh, they, they didn't realize that God's love is greater than ours as well, right? We, we give up on people or, or we, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give them one more chance. And, but God is patient with them. And, 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 I, and I just, I'm blown away. I, said, I know I said this last week, but I'm just blown away by this truth. That, that even while they are mocking his return, he is patiently waiting, holding off his return so that that more people could have an opportunity to come under conviction of the Holy Spirit, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and be saved. I'm, I'm so grateful he didn't, he didn't come back before I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ because I was living my life my way. I was heathen doing my thing and all that. You know what I'm saying? So they failed to appreciate that God's love is so much greater than ours, so much bigger than ours. That is the mistakes that the mockers make. That Peter points that out as he's closing this letter out. And then he turns to us, to, to those, and maybe not everyone here is a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're still investigating this. Maybe you're finding out about it. But for the majority of us here, we would probably say, yes, I, I, I've asked Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I'm walking as, as his will is for my life. I'm trying to live that way. Uh, he, Peter turns to us and he has uh, some things to say uh, to us. And, and it is what I'm calling the fundamentals of the followers what are the fundamentals of the followers in verses 10 through 18 i'm not going to read that all of that again uh, right now we read it a few moments ago but peter uh one thing peter emphasizes for sure and we'll read verse 10 in just a second he emphasized the fact that basically what peter's saying and, and i don't mean that peter is like i don't think he's hateful about it i really don't think i know i wasn't there but i just don't think that he's hateful about it when he says it, but essentially Peter is saying, you may be mocking now. You may be making fun now. You may be uh, denying the return of Jesus Christ now and, and God's control over this whole thing, but he will return. God will burn all of this up, take care of all of this. The verb that's used in the Greek is, is, a, is a very positive, a very, this is going to happen. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, he says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. First off, let me do a couple things I want to say. First off, this, this day of the Lord is not referring to one single day. Okay, it's, it's not it's not referring to one single day. It's referring to a period of time uh, in which several events will take place, in which uh, there will be a return of Jesus Christ, in which there will be a, a little, literal seven year tribulation period, in which in which there will be a, a new heaven and a new earth. All of that really falls under the purview of the the day of the Lord. Okay, 
Secondly, this, uh, this reference to uh, a thief, like a thief. Y'all see that in there, verse 10? Like a thief. This is a common kind of phrase, well, to some respect, kind of a common phrase that is used in Scripture. Jesus used this uh, when being questioned about his return and all that stuff. He used the same uh, reference in, in what's known as the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24. He said this. He said, therefore, stay alert. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming. See the the analogy he's using? If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming. He would have been alert. He would not have let his house be broken into. Here's the application. Therefore, you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This reference to this, this like a thief is going to come. Apostle Paul uh, uses the, the same idea. First Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord, there it is, the day of the Lord will come just like a, say it, thief. Will come just like a thief in the night. While, there's, while they are saying, meaning those living for themselves, controlled by the lust, their own fleshly lust, living you know, in the world. For while they are saying peace and safety, then, then, destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Again, Jesus uses this term in reference to his, his coming again. Revelation chapter uh, 3, maybe you've read this before. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a, say it, thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. One more time, Revelation chapter 16. Uh, look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. Uh, obviously, the, 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 the application here, the, the implication for this is, is that, by and large, most of the world will be unaware of the return of Jesus before it, it happens. In other words, they're, they're just going about their stuff, right? They're just doing their thing. They're, you know, he says it's the same thing. It's, it's like a thief, a thief doesn't, doesn't uh, uh, come necessarily when a person is alert and ready. They're going to wait until you're not ready. Jesus applies that and he says, my coming's going to be like that. People are going to be doing their thing, living their life, going about their stuff, doing whatever, and, and they're not going to be looking. They're not going to be ready for this, this day that's going to come. But uh, Peter comes back and says, but be assured, it will come. That latter part again of verse uh, 10 of Second Peter 3 says, the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Warren Wiersbe, a biblical commentator, uh, points out that the word that translated roar in the New American Standard in the original Greek basically carries the, uh, the idea of a rushing sound, uh, a kind of a rushing sound. It can, it can be kind of translated as a, a hissing sound or a crackling sound. Wiersbe, interestingly enough, points out that, uh, that when the when the nuclear bomb, atomic bomb, was being tested out in the Nevada desert, that there were several reporters who, who reported uh, that they heard what they described as kind of a, a whooshing sound or a crackling sound 
at the, at the explosion of the device. Is Peter uh, describing a, a, an, an atomic uh, type disintegration of, of all that we know or see around us? Maybe. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But what I do know is that Peter makes it clear and plenty of other places in Scripture makes it clear that God is going gonna, is gonna to burn it down. God is going to clean it out because he's going to build up something that is so much greater, so much better, so much more beautiful than we can possibly imagine. Sure, is there beauty in this world? Absolutely. But it pales in comparison to what God is going to create and it is still marred by the sin curse. It is still scarred by the sin curse. And God is going to do away with the sin curse once and for all. God is going to clean it all out. Not a golfer, you don't, probably don't care about this, but back in the 1920s, uh, there was this uh, nursery, a plant and flower nursery, in a little town about 145 miles due east of Atlanta called Augusta, Georgia. There was a nursery there, and, and I'm sure it was probably, I'm sure to the land itself, there was probably some beauty, and they probably, I'm sure they had plenty of flowers and trees and that kind of stuff, and it, and it probably had some, some beauty to it. But Bobby Jones, one of the greatest golfers who ever lived, and a man by the name of Cliff Roberts, and a golf architect by the name of Alistair McKenzie, had a vision for that piece of property that was so much greater than what it was in its current condition. They had a, they had a vision for what it could be. But in order to get there, there had to be a significant amount of destruction. In the late 1920s and early 1930s, they began to destroy the property. Probably hundreds, if not thousands of trees had to be cut down. Stumps had to be dug out. Ponds and, and, and creeks had to be uh, dug along the way. The, the, the land was scarred. It was marred. And I'm sure for many people, locals in that area, they must have thought, what in the world... Why would they do this? Why would they take this, this pretty piece of land and, and do this kind of destruction to it? What, are, what is wrong with them? But in 1933, Augusta National Golf Course opened. I have had the privilege of walking those grounds twice in my life just to walk the grounds, you understand? <laughs> not, to, not to play. You can't play there if you're just average person and if any of you has any type of connection that would possibly in any way remotely help me get on to play that golf course I will wash your car every week for the rest of your life if y'all whatever whatever it is if you're a golfer it's 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 really it's almost hallowed ground so to speak it's hard to describe just how beautiful this place is, how green the grass is, how brilliant the azaleas, the thousands and thousands of azaleas and the dogwoods and everything that's in, in bloom. It is, it is one of the most special places on earth. It, it, it just, I can't explain it. You just have to see it how that is. But listen, here's the thing. It, it never would have been if somebody hadn't had a vision for what it could have been, what it could be, what it was going to be. And I realize maybe that's kind of a rough analogy but but it is it is in some sense at least a rough picture of what god is going to do yeah sure there's some beauty in this world now there's some places we say man that's beautiful that's that's breathtaking and it is but it's still marred by the sin curse 
And God has a vision for what it will be, ladies and gentlemen. God has a vision for what it will be, ladies and gentlemen. And I think I, I, think I even read this a few weeks ago, or I used it in a pastor's perspective, I can't remember. But, uh, but in Revelation chapter 21, uh, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I wonder if it's going to have that new earth smell, you know? Like that new car smell, it's just, that's awesome, you know? The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, Right? What happened to it? Burned up. There was no more sea. The idea there being, because I've heard, I've heard fishermen say, what? I can't fish in heaven? I don't know whether you fish in heaven or not. But the idea is uh, the sea, there was a, it was a sep- there's this idea of separation uh, that, that kept people uh, apart. And, and that, that's gone, folks. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It was coming down out of heaven from God. It was made ready like a bride is made ready for her husband. And I heard a loud voice coming from heaven. And it said, see, God's home is with men. He will will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will be their God and God will take away all their tears. And everybody said... Even you tough guys have some tears sometimes. God will take away all their tears. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All the old things have passed away. What happened to them? Burned up. Then, then, the one sitting on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Brand spanking new. And go ahead and write it, John For these words are true and faithful. That's what God is going to do. That's what he's going to make happen. So, so, look what Peter says. He walks through all that, describes all that. So then in verse 11, he says, Since all these things are to be destroyed, since all this this stuff that you see around, since all the material possessions that we have, since all of these things are to be destroyed in this way, What sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Riddle me this, Batman. If all of this stuff is going away, all of the whatever all, if all this material, if all this physical, if all of the the things that, that we think are valuable, if all of this is burned up, gone away, why, why, oh why do we seemingly spend so much time, effort, energy and resources on on the material things of this world on on where i am or where i can get to or what i can have or or what i can drive or what this why do we spend so much on that and seemingly oftentimes so little on what will will last beyond all of this the spiritual aspect the eternal aspect of our lives why why that is a question that each of us should and i would pray must ask ourselves whether you're here and you're 80 or 8 or 18 or wherever you are in your life, to stop and ask that question. What really matters and what is really important? Is it, is it how far I can go in life or how high I can climb on the corporate ladder or how much square footage I can get in my house or, or how big my portfolio can grow or whatever the case may be? What really matters? That's what he's saying. And the obvious answer comes back that we should focus on what is eternal, on what is, what is past after all of this is burned up 
And it is the spiritual aspect of our lives, that part of our life, that relationship with God and how that relationship is cultivated and what that relationship means, as Peter says, how it then, then causes me to live in the world in which I live. Since all of this, Peter says, since all of this is going away, how ought we to live while we're in the midst of all this stuff? And the obvious answer, again, is we ought to live like all of this is going away and like that only the spiritual. Listen. Hold it loosely, folks. I'm not saying it's fine to have it, this or that or whatever God blesses you with and all that kind of stuff, and he's blessed all of us. I'm just telling you, hold it loosely. Hold it loosely. So, here are the fundamentals. Let's quickly kind of get to the fundamentals. Here we go. First off, keep stirred up. Here's the fundamentals Peter closed out his letter with. Keep stirred up. Keep stirred up in uh, the opening part of this uh, chapter. He says, this now, beloved, is the second letter I'm writing to you in which I am, say it, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets, the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. I'm stirring you up. I'm reminding you of those things to keep stirred up in this, in this, this walk with Christ. Listen, can I say this? Uh, and I think we all would admit this. Any of us, all of us can at times become a bit lackadaisical about our walk with Christ. Would you agree? And by the way, if you do not know what lackadaisical means, lacking enthusiasm and determination, carelessly lazy. Listen to me, I beg you, listen to me. None of us can afford to become carelessly lazy in our walk with Christ. Because for one thing, there is an enemy who is real. For another thing, there is too much at stake to just flip, well, yeah, yeah, maybe tomorrow. Next month I'll start that. Or I know I need to do more of that. Or I need to, we, we, we can't do it, folks. We, we, got, we got to be stirred up. We got to continue to be stirred up in this walk with Christ. As a pastor, can I tell you this? As a pastor, uh, when I stand up here, you know, one time a week I stand up here and, and open the Word of God and preach the Word of God, sure, some of it is, is intended to be educational. But part of my calling is to, is to help teach you the word of God but can I just say this to you for the 45 minutes that I'm up here or something that oftentimes or to a very large degree it's intended to be motivational really more than it is education I want to teach you absolutely but but the idea is that 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 from what God says and and how it's communicated to you that it motivates you that it stirs you up to say you know what this I'm on the right path this is what I got to do this is how my life ought to look this I got to honor God and this is how I ought to be walking and it's to stir you up one of the analogies that I've used for years when trying to describe to people what it's like to follow Christ in this in this world in this culture in which we live that one of the analogies that I've used for years is that it's a it's a lot like swimming against the current do some of you know what I mean if you've ever uh, swam in the ocean or in a river against the current you know you know this is true right it's hard it's hard swim against the current isn't it Sure, it can be hard to swim against the current. And listen, you know what? All you got to do to not swim against the current is to stop stroking, right? Just stop stroking. Current will take you. Hey, and you don't got to do anything to go with the current. Current's easy. Current doesn't make you tired. It may be carrying you in the wrong direction, but you're not going to be tired when you get there. No, you you got to stay stirred up at this thing. you got to work at this thing. you got to keep working at it. There's a second idea. Stirred up. Second idea, keep looking up. 
Man, I cannot stress to you enough how important this is. The idea of keep looking up. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. Listen, look, look, down, look at your circumstances, and here comes uh, remorse and depression and, and uh, misunderstanding and fear and doubt. All that. So you start looking at your circumstances. You know what? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or, if not, you start, start, start looking at the, the world around you and what the world has or what the world offers and that kind of stuff. And here comes dissatisfaction with what you have. Here comes jealousy. Here comes envy. Here comes lust that pull to, to, to be more satisfied or think I'll be more satisfied with that than in the things of God. This is, I'm gonna, I want to say this to you, and this is probably going to sound like a duh uh, moment, but, but it has huge implications for our life. And it is this, ladies and gentlemen. You focus on this world, and this world will be your focus. Go ahead, say it. Duh! But you focus on God, and God will be your focus. That's, it's just the truth. It's just the way it is. And that's what Peter says. Uh, look at it in uh, things verse 13 and 14. Yeah. But according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That, that's where we're looking. We're looking up. Therefore, beloved, since... You look for these things, be diligent, be found in him in peace and spotless. You know what he says? That's, that's, where, that's where you find the peace and the, and, the, and the ability to live in holiness and everything. It's not by looking around and, and all, at all this, what you don't have or could have or problems that you have, or other, that, it's, that it's in looking up. It's like, man, we're, I'm looking for something else. I'm looking for something that's going to be better. And that allows me to live in this stuff right now the way that would honor God. My, my brother, Ashley, uh, when he was a kid, he had this bad habit. Uh, whenever he rode his bike... Uh, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't look up. He, he, would just, he would just look down at the pedals. He'd just ride and look down at the pedals, ride and look down at the pedals. He was just enamored with the, with the pedals where, wherever he rode. We, we lived on a dairy, and there was this dirt road that rode down, went down to the barn, and that's where we did our riding. And, uh, and everybody kept telling him, Ashley, Ashley, you got to look up. Ashley, you got to look up. You, Ashley, if you don't look up, you're going to crash. And, of course, he did a lot. Ashley would crash uh, into potholes and wipe out because he's, he's looking down at the pedals. And Ashley would crash into ditches because he's, he's looking down at the pedals. One time he crashed into a parked truck. Never was quite the same after that. But he, he, he just, he, it's, not that he, it's not that he really wanted to, to crash. not that he liked crashing. But he just enamored with, with, with what was happening with his feet right then and there. Folks, we got to take our eyes off the pedals. Whatever it is in our life that, that diverts our attention. Listen, it, it, could, it could be a problem. It, 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 could, it could be a, a possession. It could be a person. But whatever it is, you've got to look up. You've got to look past all that stuff and say, no, God has something else. Uh, Apostle Paul, again, Colossians chapter 3, says, Therefore, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. What's he saying? Look up. Fix your focus there. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, keep thinking about things above, not things on the earth. Why? Because you've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You get the point? See where he's going with this? Keep stirred up. Keep looking up. I've got to close real quick. One more idea. He says, keep growing up. You've got to keep. Do you remember the swimming analogy I said a minute ago? Here's the good news about it. It does get easier. It does. It does get easier. You may always swim against the current, but the swimmer, listen to me, the swimmer that gets in 
the water, gets in the, the ocean or the, the river or the pool and puts in his or her laps day after day after day, guess what happens? Their muscles begin to get toned. Their body fat begins to reduce. Their cardio and, and lung capacities begin to expand so that it does get easier. They're always swimming against the current. Folks, listen to me. You'll always be swimming against the current in this world if you're going to go with God. But if you will keep growing up, That's what Peter says, but continue to grow up. You'll find that it does become easier in the world in which we live. It really does. I got to close. Let me just say this. These three fundamentals that Peter just mentions here at the end. Keep stirred up. Keep looking up. Keep growing up. Don't be satisfied with where you are. Because where you are is not where God wants you to be. Do you understand that? Is that okay? You okay with that? I'm not saying he's not pleased when he sees us growing. We reach a new level and, you know, but, but, but God wants so much more for you and me. He wants to push us so much more than, than we realize at this point. Don't, don't quit. Don't, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't settle for where you are. Build disciplines into your life. Make determinations in your life that you're going to say, man, I'm, I'm going to have that. I'm going to have everything God says I can have in this life and the life to come. Because all this stuff is going away anyway. And keep growing up. If you follow just those three, and I, you know, it's said in different ways. I wish I had time to go in to some of the ideas of what he said. He says about the, the false teachers that come along and, and they'll distort. And he specifically mentions the Apostle Paul's uh, teachings, which is probably where we get as much theology as, as anything uh, from. But I don't have time for all that this morning except just to say to you that if you'll practice those three fundamentals in your life right there, you'll go, be a long ways down the road to accomplishing everything God wants for you and experiencing everything God wants for you in your individual life, in your, in your marriage, if you're married, in your family, if you ha- have children and family and all that kind of stuff. You'll enjoy the peace and contentment and purpose and everything that God has for you. But you gotta, you got to do it God's way. Because all this stuff, what's going to happen to it? Burning up. In the end, what will remain is what God brings down, the new heaven, the new earth, that he recreates, remakes into something more beautiful, more perfect than you and I can possibly ever imagine. There have always been mockers, but as we draw nearer to the end, there will be an increase in those who think faith in Jesus Christ and his return is just a joke. But Peter makes it clear that the day will come when they won't be laughing anymore. As followers of Jesus, our heart's desire should be to try to see others come to faith in Jesus Christ. God is patiently waiting, delaying His return so that others can know Him. If we practice the fundamentals that Pastor Clay pointed out today, our lives will communicate a message to those around us that our God empowers us and gives us a life worth living. If you're a follower of Jesus, even if someone makes fun of you for your belief, remember that God is going to give us a new heaven and a new earth where we will spend eternity with Him. Sin and death will be a thing of the past. When will it be? Only God knows. But one thing is for sure, it will be well worth the wait. And that's no joke. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. 
Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice real. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. A new church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.